Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 10 o'clock on the dot a.m., it is the 11th day of the first month of 2024. That's actually a row of sticks. It's 111 of 2024. This is episode 840. Flipped a digit episode of Bitcoin. And <clears throat> yes, we're going to, yeah, we're going to have to. You know what? You know what's coming. We're going to do it. We're going to do it because we have to do it. It's the ETF. I told you yesterday we were going to get it, and we got it. And I'm not sure about the SEC at this point. They accidentally, accidentally posted the release that they were going to do all this crap on their actual SEC.gov website. This time it wasn't a Twitter faux pas. No, 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 no. They, they posted their press release of the release of all 11 of the ETFs to SEC.gov. And it was too early because they hadn't actually made the announcement. It's... Then they had to take the page down. So now that particular address, or at later on that day, or you know, right before they actually released the news, uh, it was giving a 404 error for that particular page because they had to quickly take it down. My question is this: How do we trust these guys? I, I know we don't trust these guys. So let me rephrase the question: How are normies supposed to trust these people when they can't? figure out how to actually release the news when they're supposed to release the news. I, I don't know, man. It's just, it's amazing to me that normie world puts so much value into government institutions when they can't run a freaking website. I'm just, just saying guys, just saying. All right. Circle P is open for business again this morning. It is good beans Good Beans, it's thegoodbeans.com if you want to go to their website, and I'll throw it up here for the folks up there in the zap.stream chat. Good Beans is a coffee shop in El Salvador. If you want some good El Salvadoran coffee, then go to thegoodbeans, all one word, .com. Order it because they take Bitcoin. They'll, they, they will. They'll take your Bitcoin. A little bit about their coffees. All of our coffees are grown, harvested, processed, roasted, packed, and shipped from El Salvador. All of our coffees are specialty grade, and they are all strictly high-grown SGH coffees. Our coffees are roasted in small batches several times per month to ensure freshness. Roast dates of the current batch are shown for each individual coffee in its very own page. We believe that the only way to ensure profits is to make the origin country, is to do everything at origin, 
the value added chain remains within the Salvadoran coffee industry and not with multinational corporations. Yes. Yes. I love being able to offer goods and services from people that may or may not have the advertising budget for it because we're all plebs. And that's why I created the Circle P. Because the advertising models across the world are broken. The music industry is broken. That's why I start every show 15 to 10 minutes early on the live stream. So for those of you who are out there in just pure, straight up podcasting 2.0 land and just listening to this after I've recorded it and released it, you're missing the first 10 minutes of the show, which is all Wavelake, right? Um, I, I just allow Wavelake to occupy a portion of this show's time so that people can actually boost directly to the artist, the artist that they hear and go, you know, that song's really good. Because the way that I do it is they, Wavelake has a party mode and you, you, you're hearing their music. You see a picture of the artist or their cover art and a QR code that you can zap Satoshi's to over lightning with your phone. You just take a, you know, open up your lightning wallet, take a picture of the QR code and boom, send them some Satoshi so that they know that there's another way. So just like with music, advertising models are broken. They're just broken. There's it, We're entering into a new world. And when you cross that boundary layer between an old thing and a new thing, you're going to get some chop, right? And we are in, we are 100% inside the chop. So the Circle P is designed specifically for people and plebs that want to be able to show their goods and services to a slightly wider audience. I don't have a huge audience, but I do have one and I love my audience and I want to show them that there are things that they can buy with Bitcoin. All right. So if you want coffee and you want to order it from El Salvador and you want to try the goodbeans.com coffee, you can pay for it with lightning and they will ship it to your door. Now, with that said, let's do the thing. Spot Bitcoin ETF issuer Bitwise pledges 10% of profits to fund open source BTC development. Tricked you. You thought I was going to talk about the ETF. No, we're starting out with at least Bitwise, who is going to donate 10% of their profits from their spot Bitcoin ETF directly to open source BTC development This is written by Nick Hoffman for Bitcoin Magazine. Today, Bitwise Asset Management unveiled a new initiative confirming their pledge to allocate 10% of profits from the Bitwise Bitcoin ETF, ticker is BITB, towards supporting Bitcoin open source development, according to a press release. The donations will benefit three esteemed nonprofit organizations, Brink, OpenSats, and the Human Rights Foundation Bitcoin Development Fund. Quote, Bitcoin was launched 15 years ago without a fundraise and has always been maintained by a dedicated community of open source developers, said Bitwise CEO Hunter Horsley. Quote, we're excited for the Bitwise Bitcoin ETF to provide a source of recurring funding for those unsung heroes who work tirelessly to improve the Bitcoin network security, scalability, and usability every single day. The donations to be made 
annually for the next decade. Yes, 10 years. It's not just 10% this year. It's 10% every year for 10 years. That's a big, that's a big, big deal. Anyway, they come without any strings attached, reinforcing Bitwise's long-term dedication to fostering sustainable support for Bitcoin core development. Quote, it is important to support Bitcoin core development in a long-term sustainable way, said Mike Schmidt, the executive director of Brink. Bitwise's decade-long pledge is a win-win-win with Bitwise profits leading to developer funding, leading to improvements to the open-source software underpinning the industry. End quote. The recipient organizations were carefully chosen based on their established track record and commitment to funding Bitcoin open-source development subject to annual review for continued alignment with Bitwise's mission according to the release. Ah, so they do have a little bit of an out. They do an annual review at the end of every year, and if somebody's not pulling their weight, I guess they can kill the funding. But okay, I'm good with that. Acknowledging Bitwise's proactive stance, Matt O'Dell, co-founder of OpenSats, lauded the company for setting a precedent in supporting open source contributors vital to the Bitcoin ecosystem. Quote, it's great to see a large institution supporting open source contributors who make this ecosystem possible. Bitwise is leading by example for all Bitcoin ETF issuers going forward. End quote. This commitment to donating 10% of spot Bitcoin ETF Profits doubles what another issuer, which we will talk about here in a second, pledged to donate last Friday. And we're just going to end it right there because I've got another story about a second fund that's doing the same thing only to, you know, half. But whatever, whatever. Van Eck has pledged 5% of spot Bitcoin ETF profits to core development after SEC approval. This time it's Turner Wright from Cointelegraph. Asset manager Van Eck, which has a pending application, will no longer because they got accepted, for a spot Bitcoin exchange traded fund with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission said it planned to donate some of the profits from the investment vehicle to Bitcoin core developers following approval, which it has been approved. In a January 5th post on Twitter, Van Eck announced a 5% pledge to Bitcoin Core developers through nonprofit organization Brink ahead of a potential approval for its spot. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. The asset management said it had already made $10,000 of donation to the developers regardless of whether the SEC gave the green light or not. The SEC has approved a spot Bitcoin exchange traded fund And that's now obviously ongoing. This was written before the approval, so I'm I'm kind of fighting with the language here, so give me a break. The asset manager is one of many awaiting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Vanek made a... Okay, in September, Vanek Vanek made a similar pledge to donate 10%. Oh, Jesus. Of all its profits from Ether Futures ETF to Ethereum Core. Good God. The shit coinery is just never going to stop. And I, I hope that, that, that you understand that. But w- instead of trouncing and tromping all over the shit coinery, let's kind of peel apart what's going on here. You got two companies, right? And even though that Van Eck is, is being idiots with their Ethereum shit, uh, you've got two companies that both have been approved for spot Bitcoin ETFs. And that happened yesterday, as we all know. 
and they're going to allocate single to double digit percentages for a at least a period of time. I, I really Van Eck, I think that this is really just a, a more of a marketing scheme than anything else. But bitwise at 10% is a full tithe. And if you don't know what tithing means, it's something out of the old churches. I, I understand it coming from the uh, Roman Catholic Church, you know, back in the day where you gave 10% of everything that you made to the church, right? But that's a full tithe. That hurts. That's something you feel. 5% you could probably feel a little bit, but 10% is actually a full tithe. And that's an important number because that's double digit. That's one-tenth of everything that they make going to fund the very de- the development of the very asset that underlies the fund itself. It's not a snake eating its tail. It's like a feeding frenzy. This is, this is, there's a book called The Richest Man in Babylon. I highly recommend that you, that you either buy it and read it, or you can just go to YouTube and type in Richest Man in Babylon. And there are several free things that you can listen to that somebody reading you the entire book. It's, it's like four and a half hours, five hours long. It's not bad. But one of the main tenets is that you take profits from something like your job or an investment, and then you reinvest at least a tenth of it back into the very thing that made you the money in the first place. And this causes a compounding effect. And Bitwise is leading the pack here. Now, Vanek may have announced their little 5% thing earlier than Bitwise did, but Honestly, I'm really focused on the bitwise because not only is it a tithe, it's a tithe for 10 years. And I find that I find that really fascinating because maybe just maybe we've got some people that exist in this legacy financial doom room that also want a way out. I think that the, I think that there's some people in Bitwise that want out. They're tired of all the bullshit and they want to help break free, not only for themselves but for the rest of the world. Do I know that for a fact? No, I know a I don't know a single person at Bitwise. But there's something about that number. 10% a full tithe for a decade that it 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 rings it rings my bell right so the other thing about it is (laughs) is that it's also funding help or at least helping to fund an asset that may very well kick the remaining legs out from under the entirety of the financial legacy financial system and i find that ironic as Alanis Morissette would say. Now, let's get on into the rest of this bullshit. Grayscale, BlackRock are volume leaders as the Bitcoin ETF debuts. Coindesk, written by Nick Baker and Christian Sandor. Bitcoin ETFs have been eagerly anticipated for years, and they finally got approved in the U.S. on Wednesday and began trading Thursday, 
as of 10.15 a.m. Eastern Time. Here is a ranking of the 11 funds by first day trading volume, according to BitMEX Research. Here's the full list of the 11 ETFs as of 10.15 a.m. Eastern Time on Thursday. So it's a it's a tweet from BitMEX Research, which I'm very sad that they're not on Noster, but you know, I can't just force feet. I, you can lead a horse to Noster, but you can't make him post. I'm just saying. So here we go. First up is Grayscale. <laughs> you thought it'd be BlackRock, but it's not. It's Grayscale. And they are, let's see here. The, uh, let's see, Grayscale. I'm I'm sorry, I'm just looking at something. Do 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 do. I want to make sure that I've got this right. Yeah, Grayscale had brought in like almost eight hundred million dollars. Almost eight hundred million dollars. Holy shit, man! It's like seven hundred sixty-five, seven hundred seventy million dollars. <throat> BlackRock is coming in just over five hundred million. Fidelity is in the third spot, bringing in just over three hundred million, and then at tw- uh, at just over a hundred, we have twenty-one shares, and then Bitwise, which we were just talking about, is like right in the middle of the pack, and they brought in it looks like forty forty-five million dollars. Invesco, Valkyrie, Vanek, Franklin, Wisdom Tree, and Hashdex—they're all like almost almost no volume whatsoever. So our fir- our top five is Grayscale, BlackRock, Fidelity, 21 shares, and Bitwise in that order. But here's another number for you. Over $2.7 billion traded across all Bitcoin ETP products today and $1.9 billion just for the spot ETF. Okay, so the ETP products means futures and spot, but w- almost two billion, almost two billion with a B, was just the spot just today. From what I understand, that smokes the opening of the gold ETF. But 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 remember, nobody has actually done the calculation yet to figure out what a dollar was worth when the Scott when the spot gold ETF opened. Because I guarantee you that a dollar was worth a shit ton more back then than it is today. So until that calculation comes in, I don't know if the Bitcoin spot ETF has beaten gold or not. We'll have to we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. Anyway, uh, let me see. Let me get down here. Yeah, that was pretty much it. All right, so. It does look like there was a bit of a feeding frenzy. But if you're looking at the price right now of Bitcoin and looking at the chart, you're going to see some oddities. And we'll get into why I think that oddity occurred. But first, the SEC squandered a decade rejecting Bitcoin ETFs. This from the SEC Commissioner Hester Pierce. Remember Hester? Bitcoin mom? Uh, uh, decrypt Andrew Hayward has got what she wrote. The SEC finally approved the trading of a spot Bitcoin exchange traded fund on Wednesday, as expected. But at least one SEC commissioner 
isn't mincing words in describing the toll wrought by the long wait of the agency, investors, and the cryptocurrency industry. SEC Commissioner Hester Pierce, a longtime crypto advocate nicknamed Crypto Mom. Oh, no. Uh-uh. It was Bitcoin Mom, by the way. Shame on you, Decrypt. Nicknamed Bitcoin Mom by fans, issued her statement on Wednesday's action. It followed the statement from SEC Chair Gary Gensler, who took a more begrudging tone about the long-awaited approval. Quote, Today marks the end of an unnecessary but consequential saga, Pierce wrote, noting that the first application for a spot Bitcoin ETF was filed in the United States more than 10 years ago. And she's talking about Genesis, the the Winklevi, uh, the Winklevoss twins. She said that the question of why a spot Bitcoin exchange traded product is needed has popped up regularly over her six years with the agency. Quote, for reasons I have explained many times before, the logic of the long string of denials is perplexing, she wrote. Quote, predicting approval timelines for spot Bitcoin ETPs was impossible because the review process for these filings did not resemble the fairly straightforward process for approving comparable ETPs. The goalposts kept moving as the commission slapped denied on application after application, end quote. Pierce notes that the SEC's lack of prior action has driven retail investors to less efficient means of attaining Bitcoin exposure in the securities markets and said that, quote, rather than admitting their error, the SEC offers a weak explanation for its change of heart. Quote, we squandered a decade of opportunities to do our job. If we had applied the standard we use for other commodity-based ETPs, we could have approved these products years ago, but we refused to do so until a court called our bluff, she said. The SEC's decision to finally approve a spot Bitcoin ETF came after a United States Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit Justice ruled in August that the agency must review an application by crypto firm Grayscale to convert its Bitcoin trust into a true ETF. Without a coherent explanation as to why it was denying spot Bitcoin ETFs, the justice wrote, such denials appear to be unlawful. Gensler alluded to the court ruling in his own statement, writing that while the latest Bitcoin ETF applications are similar to previous attempts, the circumstances, however, have changed. Based on these circumstances and those discussed more fully in the approval order, Gensler continued, I feel the most sustainable path forward is to approve the listing and trading of these spot Bitcoin ETP shares, end quote. Despite Wednesday's, Wednesday's approval, the order does not undo the many harms created by the disparate treatment of spot Bitcoin products Hester Pierce surmised before digging into a litany of specific problems that she believes were caused by the SEC's staunchly anti-crypto approach over the past decade. Quote, first, our arbitrary and capricious treatment of applications in this area will continue to harm our reputation far beyond crypto, she explained. Quote, diminished trust from the public will inhibit our ability to regulate the markets effectively. This saga will taint future interactions between the industry and our staff and will dampen the rich, informative dialogue that best protects investors, end quote. 
Pierce further called out what she sees as a waste of resources as, quote, likely millions of dollars of staff time has gone towards blocking these applications over the years. She also said that it has, quote, muddled people's understanding of what the SEC's role even is over that time span. Quote, Congress did not authorize us to tell people whether a particular investment is right for them, but we have abused administrative procedures to withhold investments that we do not like from the public, end quote. Furthermore, Pierce believes that the SEC's actions have created an artificial frenzy around Bitcoin ETFs, and that had the regulators followed its own rules, quote, we would have avoided the circus atmosphere in which we now find ourselves. Oh, she is burning Gary Gensler at the stake. If you don't recognize this language, this is... When when you're a government employee at the level that Hester Pierce is and you're using this particular kind of language, what you're doing is you're nailing Gary Gensler, your boss, to a stake, building a fire at his feet and letting it burn. This is some harsh language. It doesn't sound like it because this is what's called professional writing. But she is dumping gas over Gary and she's lighting him on fire. She also believes that the SEC has alienated a generation of product innovators within our space and lamented the costly legal battle that finally led to the approval of spot Bitcoin ETFs. Quote, although this is not a, or excuse me, although this is a time for reflection, it is also a time for celebration. I am not celebrating Bitcoin or Bitcoin related products. What one regulator thinks about Bitcoin is irrelevant. I am celebrating the right of American investors to express their thoughts on Bitcoin by buying and selling spot ETPs. And I am celebrating the perseverance of market participants in trying to bring to market a product they think investors want. I commend applicants' decade-long persistence in the face of the commission's obstruction. Holy shit! Hester just lit Gary on fire. She may very well just be straight up gunning for his job. And honestly, she should, you could probably put a trained monkey in place of Gary Gensler at this point. The amount of just face palming that I have done over this last year of things that Gary has done, things that Gary has said, the, the, the walkbacks, the turnarounds, the, the about faces, it's just, it's embarrassing. And then, and that was before they lost court case after court case after court case. It was, I mean, just a federal judge just bitch slapping the SEC time and time and time again. At this point, I do not expect Gary Gensler to hold this position. Either he's going to get fired or he is not going to get re-upped as the SEC chair. I just, I don't see it happening. He's going to have to go back to, I don't know, teaching Ethereum at Harvard or wherever the hell he's got his blockchain class at. I don't know. It's just, it's embarrassing, but I guess it's over. Although I say that understanding that surprises are probably in store for all of us. Now, let's let's talk about this chart for just a little bit. We had, let me, let me just bring up uh, my trading view here. And I'll pop it over for people to see. 
in the zap.stream chat. If you want to come chat with some cool bros and maybe some, we probably could use a couple of gals in here too, by the way. Uh, come on over to zap.stream, find the fi- find the live stream, get in there because everybody said we got Kid Warp in here. We got the grinder. Wow, grinder just zapped me a 2.1 thousand Satoshis. Thank you, grinder. I appreciate that. Average underscore Gary with 420. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. And as always, Kid Warp out of the gate on that chat with 2.1 thousand Satoshis himself. And I appreciate every single one of you guys in here. Anyway, so here's the chart. It's up on it's up on the screen. I'll describe it for you. At six o'clock a.m. my time, I've got a god candle. Go straight up. In fact, it's let's it's numbers here. It opened at forty seven thousand three hundred forty nine. It went to forty nine thousand. Just a hair past. And then its low was 47,262. So we are squarely, squarely in the 48,000, 48,500 range on this candle. And then what happened? The next candle over, it erased not only the God candle, but came down almost half as much again. It opened at $48,661. It's low, $46,500. What could have changed? Because this isn't even a BART, right? This is like, we're we're in the 7 o'clock a.m. We're just, I mean, like the first candle, the God candle is at 6 a.m. my time. The next candle is at 7. The next candle after that added insult to injury. It came all the way down to what? 45,700 which not only erased the gains of that candle, but brought us right back down in solidly into the area right after the SEC announced that the spot Bitcoin ETFs were, were, were a done deal, that we were good, right? What happened? This consumer price index happened right around the top of the 6 a.m. candle, which I remind you, hit $49,000. The U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics started spreading the news about the CPI, the Consumer Price Index. So what does it say? The Consumer Price Index for all urban consumers increased 0.3% in December on a seasonally adjusted basis after rising 0.1% in November, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics reported today. Over the last 12 months, the All Items Index increased 3.4% before seasonal adjustment. What does that mean? It means that the Federal Reserve has all the ammunition, all the ammunition they need to keep rates exactly where they are. And why did that matter? Because it means inflation isn't fixed. And by the way, even if they brought that son of a bitch down to 0%, it's not fixed. Because we've got to eat all the inflation that we have been fed over the last two years. Or at least the last year. Right? So, it wasn't just Bitcoin that that just ate a dick on that. Because it was at the top. The news was released to the world at the top of the God candle. 
And it immediately, along with the Dow, the uh, SPX, uh, the NASDAQ, they all tumbled. They all tumbled. Because every single time we get a CPI that doesn't say, hey, look, we're back at 2% inflation. Not that that really matters, but everybody wants that 2% inflation number. And then they say it's all fixed. Well, it's not fixed. And even if it was 2%, it still ain't fixed. But as far as the normies over in normie land are concerned, 3.4% is not fixed. It's not fixed. And it tied everything together and everything went down to the bottom. So what I'm getting at is that this red candle after the God candle was not a sell the news candle. It was an inflation is still running hot. The Federal Reserve is not going to lower rates. They may actually raise rates, but I don't give it much of a shot. But they are going to keep rates the same, which means the rates are higher for longer. And nobody in Normie land wanted to hear it. Personally, I don't give a shit. But if you're asking, if you were to ask me why we had this gigantic red dildo on the side of a God candle... It was because the CPI numbers came out right at the top of the God candle. Now, let's run the rest of the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities. We've got oil. West Texas Intermediate is up 0.85% to 71.96 a barrel. Brent North Sea up 0.76%. Natural gas is up almost 5% to $3.19 a thousand cubic feet. Gasoline is up just over 2%, back up to two eleven dollars a gallon. So there you go. Gold eating dick, 0.38% to the downside. Silver likewise down one5 Platinum down one23 Copper is up, but not by much. Palladium is down three quarters of a point. Uh, agriculture is mostly green. Biggest winner today is going to be sugar. 2% to the upside. Biggest loser today is wheat. 1.11% to the downside. Live cattle is up a half. Lean hogs up one and a quarter. Feeder cattle are up a half. The Dow is down a third of a point. S&P is down 0.43%. NASDAQ is down a third of a point. And the S&P mini is down two thirds of a point. What did bonds do? Well, the 10, 20, and 30-year treasury bonds have increased in yield. Why? Because of inflation. Because, because all the bond traders, now they know they are not going to get what they wanted. What they wanted was rates to go down. They're not going down. So now the bond market is reflecting the fact that they're going to have these same rates. But most of the rest of them are actually in the red. But most of the United States economy is basically hinged on the 10, 20, and 30-year bonds, and those are all up. The 10-year is yielding just over 4%. The 20-year is 4.36%. 30-year is 4.22%. The dollar index is holding at 102.55 on the ICE U.S. dollar index, so pretty much flat, honestly. Uh, $46,486 will get you one Bitcoin today. Average transaction value is 1.37 Bitcoin. Wow, that's a 
that's that's a high number. Median transaction values have also risen to 154.89 United States dollars. Block times are low, finally, 8 minutes and 17 seconds. Uh, 0.52 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and 91 and a quarter overall in the last 24 hours with a 8% increase in hash rate. We're chilling out at 558.6 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator, along with all the rest of the shitcoins, has increased. That's Dogecoin, 8.5 United States pennies. Uh, 9-11, we're back at 9-11 billion, $911 billion for the market capitalization of Bitcoin. That is 6.79% of gold's market cap. You can now get 23.5 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin. And 4,801 Bitcoin are in the Lightning Network valued at $223.4 million, 14,653 nodes, 59,660 payment channels, and 80.8% of all that shit's being run over Tor. Mempool actually kind of lightened up a little bit today. 525 blocks carrying 261,000 unconfirmed transactions waiting to clear at high priority transaction cost of 50 Satoshis per V-byte. That's about three bucks and a quarter. Low priorities, you're going to pay 36. That's about eh, $2.34. Anything under 23.6 Satoshis per V-byte are being purred for mempools around the world. And I'm looking at a hash rate here of mempool.space at 683.1 exahashes per second. That's an extraordinarily high number. That's a very high number. So I have no idea what the hell the hash rate is, but it looks like it's pretty damn high. Now, newpodcastapps.com. If you want to help this show survive and me not have to go and rattle the cages of, of corporate America and beg and beg and beg for like any kind of like scraps they want to throw on the ground for advertising, the model of which is broken, then go to newpodcastapps.com. That's newpodcastapps.com. There you can find Podfans, Blueberry, PowerPress, uh, Sovereign Feeds, Pod Home, Podverse, Podcast Guru, uh, Cast Garden, Fountain, which is actually my personal favorite, Captivate, uh, there's all kinds of stuff. Now, when you go to newpodcastapps.com to get your podcasting 2.0 podcast app, you'll, you, you will find much more than just podcast apps. So I highly recommend that you look around. But, 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 while you're there looking around, get yourself a podcasting 2.0 app. Then find Bitcoin and podcast, and you can start streaming me Satoshis because those Satoshis go directly to my lightning node. They do not go to a custodial wallet. They go directly to my node. Where's my node? It's about four feet away from me. I'm looking at it right now. And I need to actually get a two terabyte hard or a four terabyte hard drive on that son of a bitch because the ordinal guys are really screwing my, my data management shit up. But be that as it may, if you want to support the show, podcasting 2.0 is the way to go. You can stream me Satoshi's live while you're listening to this. You can boost me and send me a message. Like if you've got something that you want to say to the crowd, boost me. If it's not vulgar and just absolutely like, I I don't know, just think of a sentence that would make you cringe. I will probably not say that. But if you've got an announcement for like a Bitcoin meetup, let me know, man. 
boost me some Satoshis and I might actually be able to put that out on the air. But you can only do it with Podcasting 2.0. Again, newpodcastapps.com. That's newpodcastapps.com. Go there now and support the show. And the show is Bitcoin Ant. And I keep forgetting to mention that Fountain.app put out a year in review called Rewind 2023 of all manner of statistics about what happened with podcasting or the podcasts on podcasting 2.0 during the year of 2023. I came in the Bitcoin and podcast because of you guys boosting me Satoshi's streaming me Satoshi's came in in the top 10, the top 10 most supported shows for the year of 2023. I was number nine. I I mean, I was hanging on by the, you know, skin of my teeth for the top 10, but you guys did it. I have nothing but appreciation for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And you did it by sending me boostograms like this one. Cause Peeland with 3000 Satoshi says boost. Hot Potato Head with 1234 Satoshi says boop. Pies with a thousand says nothing. Literally, he doesn't have a note here. Guys, include a note. Sir Ulrich with a row of ducks, short row of ducks, 222 says, thank you very much, sir. No, thank you. Monarid with 202 sat says, yep, be more dangerous. Plebs use AI. Pies with 121 says, thank you, sir. No, thank you. Monard with 101 Satoshi says, thank you, sir. No, thank you. And Satoshi Tiko with 100 sat says, nothing. Again. I don't understand it, but that's going to do it for the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news you can use. Stablecoin issuer circle files for IPO. Oh, for God's sakes. Yeah. Fiat fund land never ceases to amaze me. This is out of Coindesk. Oliver Knight and Sheldon Reback is writing it. Circle Internet Financial, the issuer of the USDC stablecoin, filed to sell shares to the public for the first time, fleecing them out of all of their money. Sorry, I added that last one. The company filed a confidential draft S1 document to the US SEC. In a statement, the numbers of shares to be offered and the price range for the proposed offering have not have yet to be determined according to the filing. USDC is the second largest stablecoin with a market cap of around $25 billion. Tether, the largest, has a market cap of around $95 billion. Circle's move to become a publicly listed company comes one day after the SEC approved a raft of spot Bitcoin ETFs. The initial public offering is expected to take place after the SEC completes its review process, subject to market and other conditions. Circle planned to go public via a special purpose acquisition company deal in 2021 with a February 2022 valuation at $9 billion. However, Circle CEO Jeremy Allaire said that the deal fell through after his firm didn't complete the SEC's qualifications in time. The company laid off a portion of its workforce last year during a bear market that was spurred by the collapse of FTX, Celsius, and Three Arrows Capital. 
Shares in Coinbase uh, became publicly traded in April of 2021 with a listing on NASDAQ at a valuation of $85.8 billion. Oh, I forgot to mention that I saw a blurb that Google is laying off a shit ton of engineers, software developers, and whatnot. So apparently they've, I guess that they're going to use AI and become more effective in more dangerous as per the National Security Agency cybersecurity chief. In either event, we've got USDC circle filing for an IPO. Oh, I just, I'm in awe about this. And the the reason is, is not because I'm excited. It's because there's no reason at all that Circle needs to go for an IPO. This is legacy financial bro bullshit. So please, for the love of God, yes, you'll miss out on profits, but don't be part of that feeding frenzy. I kind of expect it to fail. I don't think that they're going to get their IPO. My gut feeling says that they're going to have to do all kinds of crap to get this thing through And it's going to be denied probably like, I don't know, three or four times. Nobody, I hope that nobody gives a shit. But at one point or another, this thief that is Jeremy Allaire and his scam coin that is USDC is probably going to get listed as an IPO. And I just don't see the value. But we've got value in Africa. Value in Africa. And it's a lot more value than I thought. Because... There's a website called Bitcoiners.Africa, Bitcoiners.Africa. And on it, at least today, right now, they have an infographic that they've put up there so that you can see at a glance what the hell's going on in the African Bitcoin ecosystem. And I'm going to throw it up for the guys over at Zap.Stream. Here it is. This is what's going on in Africa as far as I guess we know, or at least as as good as Bitcoiners.Africa can know. But in the first quarter of 2024, we have eight sectors being represented by different companies in the on the continent of Africa. Education is a sector, and then they have communities as a sector. Media mining, retail, uh, non-governmental organizations slash funding, business services, and buying, selling, and hodling. Okay, so underneath each one of these things, you know, these sectors, like we'll, take, we'll, we'll pick on education first. There's like 20 projects like uh, Addies, Bitcoin Beer, School of Bitcoin, BTC, Bonamayo, The Core, uh, Clive Clare. There's all kinds of it. These are just, these are all organizations, companies, or individuals that are in Africa, in one of the various countries on the continent of Africa that are teaching about Bitcoin, not crypto, Bitcoin. This is the African Bitcoin ecosystem. Communities, there are 21 different things under communities. Mining, you got Gridless, you got BBGS, you got Axe, you got ASIC, you got Quantum Hash, you got QRB Labs, you got Game Africa. That's what? 
eight companies just for mining on the continent of Africa. Media, you got five companies or we'll call them entities because I don't know if they're companies or not. Retail, you got pick and pay, gorilla and sats data. We'll get back to that here in a second. Then you got NGO and funding. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven uh, entities, including Geyser Fund, uh, Bitcoin for Fairness, B Trust, things like that. Business services, you got Easy Sats, you got Bitcoin Flash, Bitcoin only, the Bitcoiner test, Bitcoin Matatu tours, that kind of thing. And then buying, selling, and holding, you got one, two, three, four, five, six, nine, ten, eleven. You got eleven different entities just to buy. Bitcoin, sell Bitcoin and hodl Bitcoin. Let's get back to retail because retail and the the retail sector and the media sector are the lowest populated sectors in Africa. There's only three entities in the retail sector. This has always been Bitcoin's, actually it's not Bitcoin's weak point. It's, It's our weak point. We keep trying to drive circular economies, but we really are battling an upstream, an uphill battle, dude. People want to use the money that they were born with because they're used to it. Why wouldn't they be used to it? They were born with it. That is an excruciatingly tall wall to scale. And it shows right here in the fact that retail is only three companies, including Sats, Data, Pick and Pay, and Gorilla. Media only has five. Well, we've got 21, 21 entities in community. We've got damn near 20 entities in education, and yet we've only got five in media. And it's not Bitcoin Africa's fault. It's not. It's just... This is, these are, what I'm saying here is that media and retail in Africa offer opportunities. If you're an African Bitcoiner, whether you're an expat or you're listening to me in your country of residence on the continent of Africa, media and retail are unfulfilled. That represents low-hanging fruit. It represents opportunity. Go and get it, right? Right. Spiral. Spiral grants support to Fediment developer Josh Chison. I can't pronounce it, so I'll spell it. J-O-S-C-H-I-S-A-N. Spiral is granting support to that Fediment developer. Fediment, not Bitcoin. Fediment. I'm not mad at Fediment. I don't know if I should be. I'm not certain my particular jury is still out on that shit. But, quote, New Grant is our fourth Fediment developer. And I can't pronounce his name. It's Joshin BTC. I can't pronounce it. But he's helping build out its consensus engine and will continue to do so as a grantee. He will also enable increased reliability and latency by contributing to the next Fediment Lightning integration that was announced on Twitter. Uh, you can go to the developer's GitHub repository and it can be found at github.com forward slash J-O-S-C-H-I-S-A-N. So there you go. Um, I, like I said, I don't know if I should, I don't know what I know. Wait a minute, let me back up. I don't know 
how to feel about fediments. I just don't. This includes stuff like cashew, e-cash. When you hear like uh, you see a whole bunch of people talking about cashew nuts on Noster and or possibly Twitter. And you're like, what's with all this cashew shit? That's fediments, right? That's part of the fediment ecosystem. It is completely interoperable with Bitcoin and has some very slick anonymity actions that come along for the ride with it. It's neat. I'm not going to pretend that it's not. However, as usual, we're always going to end up in that, is it a shit coin? I don't know. I, I just don't know. It's, I, the same argument being levied against fediments at this time are the exact same, except slightly different flavor arguments that were levied against the Lightning Network when it first popped up. You're not really dealing with actual Bitcoin. You're dealing with a shit coin, a shit token, a something that's not Bitcoin. And that's just not exactly true. We, we find ourselves in this situation where many more people are coming to grips with this small factoid. There's not enough UTXOs in Bitcoin to go around the world 8.6 billion different, you know, different people. There's not enough UTXOs. And increasing the block space is not going to fix your little red wagon, so please just stop right there. The internet was built in layers. If we were to do any of the things that we do today on the modern internet, on layer one, the whole thing would collapse. And it wouldn't even allow most of it just because of protocols and whatnot. But let's say that I could stream high definition Netflix shit over the internet on layer one. It would completely destroy the system. It would completely destroy it. So we had to build in layers, right? Same thing's going to be true here. You've got the Bitcoin-based layer, which is final, final settlement. You got Lightning, which, I don't know, seemed to fix what was going on for especially like really small payments like coffee. And in my mind, it does. Yet, we're seeing some limitations. And I always knew that we didn't need just Lightning. We were going to need several different layer twos each one addressing a certain subset of problems. And sometimes those subsets might overlap, like eCash might do a couple of things that Lightning does, but not all the things. And Lightning can't do any of the stuff that that Fediments can do, but it can do its own thing. And after you get, you know, several different layer twos, what happens then? You start noticing, well, we're going to be needing layer threes. And that's the way it's going to be built out. And it's not because of design. It's because this entire system exists in a universe with a set of rules that everything in the universe has to follow. It has to. It cannot reach outside of the Venn diagram that is the creation that we know of and love as the universe. Everything follows the same rules, whether you're a tree, a canary, a turtle, a human, dog, cat, blade of grass, piece of technology, because we all exist in this existence. When people think that the rules that apply to blood pressure, 
and why blood pressure is the way it is. And that's because of the rules of the universe. Gravity, strong force, weak force, electromagnetic force. Those are the four fundamental laws of the universe. You have to follow them. And people that don't understand that the same four forces that guide blood pressure in a biological entity also force technology to do the same thing. We don't exist. All humanity, 8.6 billion or however there is of us, we don't all live in one city, do we? No, we live in multiple cities. Why? There's no way you could support 8.6 billion people and have them all grouped together. It's not possible. Why? Rules of the universe. That's why. And I'm not going to explain it any more than that. It's the laws of the universe that affect everything, whether you're pumping blood through your veins or electrons through a network. Everything has to follow the same path. And just as cities are not all one city, but are like strewn across around the world, that's a network. And then there are networks within those networks. And then there are networks that exist at the periphery of those networks, like major city centers. You've got suburbs. Because we can't all fit in the same centimeter of ground. And why people absolutely refuse to understand that Bitcoin cannot service all 8.6 billion people on the planet at the same time absolutely amazes me. It astounds me. And I, I don't know what else to say about it, but understand that fediments may very well be just as important as Lightning Network was. And ARC, when it comes up, maybe if it comes up, I'm hoping it does, ARC is another layer too, but it doesn't have initial liquidity issues. In either event, I hope to see it. I hope to see it come live. I hope to see 10, 20, 25 layer twos. I hope they start competing with each other. I hope they start absorbing each other. I don't want them to end up being a central mass, but this is the way evolution works. Again, whether you're pumping blood or electrons makes no difference to the universe. Now, there's a note here, by the way, from Yeager Petrov. That's Yegor Petrov. He's over there on Nostra. You can just say at Y-E-G-O-R-P-E-T-R-O-F-E. And it's chibitdevs.org. Uh, this is the Chicago Bit Devs meeting. They're doing their 50th uh, Socratic seminar, and that's today. That's tonight. Exactly what time, I don't know. But assume that if you're in Chicago or you're anywhere close and you want to go see the Socratic seminar number 50 in Chicago, you better start making plans now. Not later, now. What's going to be there? I'll tell you what's going to be there. They're going to talk about cluster mempools. And that is uh, something that is an idea about, or not about, I won't tell you what it's about because I don't understand it either, but it's Peter Woola and Suhas Dafur came up with that shit. I don't know because the way I'm actually looking at the chibitdevs.org Socratic Seminar 50 plan of attack, I don't know who's speaking, okay? But I do know what they're going to be talking about. They're going to be talking about measuring improvements in performance over the last year for various node implementations. They're going to talk about this thing in the Lightning Network called Maypoles. They're also going to apparently go through the Aqua Wallet, which is Samson Moe's 
I think it's Jan Third's wallet offering called Aqua. They're going to go through that. They're also going to go through runes. I don't know why, but they're going to go through runes. And the way that I understand runes, I just think ordinals. And I don't like ordinals, so screw it. And then lastly, they're going to touch on core untouched soft fork. A novel approach to forming consensus without changing Bitcoin core. That should be interesting. But these ideas are all given by people like Paul Sork, uh, Stork, uh, Clara Schinkelum, uh, Jameson Lopp has ideas in here. Peter Woola and Sue Haas are, are they're all these are, that's what they're talking about, which looks like it's going to be damn deep. So if you want to go, then it's tonight. So you got to go. And let me see if I can't bring up the time that it's going to be there. January the 11th, 2024. It doesn't say what time. I'm sorry. I don't know why they're not putting a time on it, but it is going on tonight. If you want to go look more into it yourself, and that's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right, Dad Says Jokes, at Dad Says Jokes on, yeah, Twitter. I'm never going to call it its new name. I'm I'm just not. Never going to happen. You're never going to, I'm never going to say it. I mean, if I say it, it's completely on accident. It's always going to be Twitter, and I still hate it because it's a hate machine. But there is Dad Says Jokes, at Dad Says Jokes. And he says, I accidentally took my cat's medicine last night. Don't ask meow. Get it? Meow? That, that, okay. Well, it's a dad joke. What do you expect? All right. So Chicago bit devs tonight. If you're going to go, you need to make plans now because it's tonight, brother. Um, and then the, the, so the final word on the ETFs that I'm going to say today, and chances are good. I'm going to have to report on these ETFs a couple, you know, a few more times over this next year. Because we don't know what the hell's going to happen with them, do do we? We assume it's over. Oh, well, here's the ETFs. They they had 14 applications or 13 or whatever it was, and they approved 11 of them. That's more than enough ETFs to go around, which it is. We don't need, we actually don't need 11. We could probably have done with three. But it probably will be the fact that the top five will remain intact. So one of the, one of the pieces of news that I expect to bring you throughout the year is five, at least five, if not six, news stories about another Bitcoin ETF going under. And that will be met with much applause by legacy financial institutions. They'll say, see, see, you shouldn't have done this. But they're only going to be talking about the bottom five or the bottom six. You know, we were we we're talking about that chart that I was, well, I didn't show it, but uh, where uh, Grayscale brought in like, you know, uh, like just under $800 million of trading just today, just upon release, right? It's not going to be Grayscale that goes under and it's not going to be Bitwise. It's not going to be Van Eck. You know, it's going to be the, the top five, like uh, BlackRock, Grayscale. I can't remember what the other ones were, but there will be a top five. The other ones... Some of them will literally just stop trading. They'll just say, you know what? We're done. We're not getting any traffic. We're not getting any love. We're not making any money. And they're going to trash their shit. 
And then Bloomberg is going to pick up those stories and they're going to shove them down our throat about how this Bitcoin spot ETF failed and therefore the whole thing is stupid. Be prepared for that. Already have your arguments in line. How many gold ETFs are there? I don't know. I probably should have looked at, looked that shit up before I started spouting my mouth off about this. But I'll bet you there ain't 11. And I'll bet you, it, I'll bet you at least one gold ETF failed ever since they opened it up. I guess in the 80s, I think, is when the gold ETF opened. You know, we're talking like 40 years ago, somewhere around there. Yeah, I'll bet one of them failed. So that would be, well, the, the, this gold ETF failed. Did, did gold fail? Be prepared. Understand that. Second thing about the ETF. Nobody knows about like, like, is this chop that we're seeing this morning going to continue? I don't know. And neither do you. And neither does anybody on Twitter. All right. So all the people that are about to tell you what's going to happen with the ETFs, understand they don't know, which means that they're lying. They're saying that they know what's going to happen. They don't know. They don't know what the price is going to do. They don't know how much institutional money is going to roll in. They don't know if any is going to roll in. And they don't know anything about what retail is going to do with this shit. All right, so be aware. There's probably a third thing that we should be aware of. And since I don't know exactly what it is, I'm going to frame it like this. There's three kinds of information in existence. There's shit you know. There's shit you know that you don't know. And there's shit you don't know that you don't know. And that last one is the most dangerous type of information. You don't know that you don't know it. I will say again, there is a scene in the movie Contact with Jodie Foster at the very end, after the first machine blew up and all of a sudden, the second machine to travel through this wormhole crap, it, it, it suddenly appears because the Japanese decided to build one of their own in secret. It was all kind of crappy, but she's getting ready to go on this journey. And there's this person that's giving her these two pills of potassium cyanide at lethal doses. And Jodie Foster's character says, I don't want these. And the explanation is this. She says, look. We give these pills to every astronaut that's ever gone out into space. You could get lost. You could find yourself outside of your spaceship because you went on like a spacewalk and get detethered. Uh, you could run out of food. You could run out of fuel. And then they say the pivotal point. There's a hundred thousand reasons that we know why you need these pills. But it's for all the reasons that you don't know that you really want these pills. I'm not suggesting to go take potassium cyanide. What I'm saying is what we don't know that we don't know is a critical thing that humans overlook time and time again. We always concentrate on the shit we know we know, and that gets us in trouble. The most wise people are the people that know the things that they don't know. They are aware that they don't understand how to do calculations in calculus. They are aware that they don't understand quantum theory. They are aware that they don't know shit about chemistry. Those people are the most wise. 
It's the chemist that thinks they know everything about chemistry because they know about chemistry and because they're a chemist. That's hubris. That'll get you in trouble. Likewise, setting up a campsite in the middle of the night or going to set up a campsite while hiking in the middle of the night with no moon and no light, nothing, no lanterns. You got no flashlight. You're just walking around in the middle of the night, except you're at the edge of the Grand Canyon. You don't know it's there, right? And think of it this way. Think of it this way. We we know it's, oh, we're going to go camping at the Grand Canyon. So you know it's around there. Okay, so there's something that you know that you don't know. It's the middle of the night. You know it's there, but you don't know where. You don't, so you don't walk around. So therefore you're safe. But think about the conquistadors that were first, like walking around the United States, the very first people to actually encounter the Grand Canyon. Surely they probably didn't do it at night. But they didn't know it was there. So if they were walking around at night and they didn't know what they didn't know, they didn't know that they were one inch away from certain death and then they fell over the edge because they were walking around and they had no idea what the fuck they were doing. That is the information that will get you killed, right? We don't know what's going to happen with these ETFs. We just don't know. It could be, it could send the price into outer space. We could see a massive sell-off. We might not see jack shit happen for an entire year, two years, three years. The ETF is not your answer to being wealthy. It's just not. So what do we do? We buy Bitcoin. We hold Bitcoin. And I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and... And I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.